Hola y bienvenido de nuevo al podcast Chilling con Millie. Soy Camille Carlington. Today we are going to continue the conversation about Richard Ramirez and his crimes, specifically his murders and the victims. Richard Ramirez's first victim was a young girl. I am not going to share her name because since she was so young, to me it feels intrusive. But she was a nine-year-old. On April 10th, 1984, Richard Ramirez, in his own basement of the hotel he was living at, brutally assaulted her and beat her before stabbing her to death and then ultimately hung her body from a pipe. From this first murder, I see a commonality compared to his other ones, and I will mention that later on. The next victim, on June 28, 1984, she was a 79-year-old woman with the last name of Vin Kao, who was brutally murdered in her apartment. She had also been stabbed repeatedly in her sleep by Ramirez, as well as had her throat slit so deeply that her head was nearly chopped off completely. I think it was overkill. He stabbed her completely, just like his first victim. He likes the overkill. I think that when someone decides to overdo something, it is usually in response to an event that happened prior. In Richard's case, I think that because he was often physically abused, he was prone to fits. So this is him projecting his rage. He's projecting the same attitude like his father did. His father was often enraged and with stabbing, you could tie that with a burst of anger and rage. One interesting thing about serial killers and the whole idea about it is that I think you could link serial killing to OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder. When we think of OCD, we may automatically think about always wanting things in place and tidy, but OCD is way more than that. Yes, it could be seen in the form of obsessively cleaning, but it is not just the type of cleaning that one simply just does because something is just dirty. Obsessively cleaning is when you clean once and it is not to your liking, so you clean it again and again until you feel satisfied. But the thing is that sometimes you can never actually be satisfied. With OCD, it is like you have to do it or else if you don't do something, if you don't do it, then something would happen. OCD is seen with eating habits or contamination, hoarding, intrusive thoughts. OCD can be many things. But I think that with serial killers, their OCD could be intrusive thoughts. The mental images that they get, I think for serial killers, it is when they have a failure to experience their ultimate fantasy, so they keep going until they reach their destiny. Sometimes with those who have OCD, like I mentioned earlier, if someone does not do what they feel they absolutely need to do, that person may feel that something bad will happen, sort of like an unfulfilled destiny will just continue to linger around creating chaos. But OCD is another topic I could talk about in another episode. So, moving on. There is a classification for serial killers. You have the visionary, the mission-oriented, the hedonistic, and finally, you have the power and control-oriented. Based on what I have read about Richard Ramirez, I would say that he is a hedonistic serial killer, which means he is in pursuit of pleasure. He is self-indulgent, sort of like an all-you-can-eat buffet. 
you take advantage of the pleasures you can get from all the types of foods. Looking back at Richard Ramirez's life, his cousin Miguel, the U.S. Army veteran, would often share Polaroids of Vietnamese women he had sexually assaulted and abused. He would also pose with their severed heads in his hands. So Richard has always had an odd relationship with relatives and a dark lifestyle. After the victim in 1985, nine months later, he attacked a woman named Maria Hernandez. She did manage to escape, but he killed her roommate, um, Okazaki. But just like with many serial killers, there's never a point of maximum reached satisfaction. There's nothing a serial killer can do to reach that because they will never be satisfied. So we moved on, and in the same evening that he killed Hernandez and her roommate, this um, soon after after that event, and I think if, I think there was some time in between that event and um, another event, but after that event. Um, it sparked a media outrage and a frenzy, which is understandable because if you hear about a serial killer going around in your area, your first thought would be, who is next? Am I next? As a result, Richard Ramirez was dubbed as the Valley Intruder. Um, now, one thing I've always learned from like um, criminal minds is that you should never really give a serial killer a name because it only adds to their ego that they may have already established. But um, but as, uh, but he was not done, so he was just getting started. For serial killers, um, like I mentioned, once they are given a name by the press, that means they are humanized and granted fame. I do not think that he has or he was killing for fame or for people to know him, but I think that with anyone, serial killer or not, when you get just an ounce of fame, you either spiral out of control in order to keep attention on you at all times or you wouldn't be affected at all. But the last thing anyone should do is to give serial killers a name. It makes the killer think they're winning. What we want to do is capture them, not egg them on in a way. Just 10 days later, March 27th, after attacking Maria Hernandez, Dale Okazaki, as well as um, Sai Leon Yu, he murdered a 64-year-old man named Vincent Zazara and Mr. Zazara's wife um, named Maxine. This is where his pattern would become more finalized. When he first entered the Zazara home, he robbed them nearly one year later. He first shot Mr. Zazara and when Mrs. Zazara woke up from the sound of the gunshot, Ramirez brutally assaulted her and bonded her hands together but she escaped to quickly grab a gun that was under their bed, but soon Richard grabbed a knife and stabbed to death Mrs. Zazara, as well as um, gogged her eyes out and placed them in a jewelry box that he had ultimately left with. The eyes are a gateway to the soul. They show truth and judgment and authority. It is a really important and symbolic organ. To take away the eyes means to hide. You won't see their pain, therefore you, whatever pain you cause will not hold so much negative weight because they cannot judge you. All of Ramirez's victims were from the age of 16 to 83, and with all of his victims he used blunt force trauma. 
His weapons included knives, hammers, and guns. He probably used knives and hammers because he enjoyed taking a more personal approach instead of just instantly shooting them dead. Maybe he liked to take his time murdering them because he wanted them to feel every inch of his inflictions. From reading about his crimes, it seems that he only shot the men, but he stabbed or bludgeoned the woman, and for some he strangled them with electrical cords. But then at some point during his killing spree, he ends up killing a couple with a gun and then furthering his damage with a machete and mutilating their body. But mainly during his killings, he killings he used guns to avoid any setbacks on his burglary spree. It was one after the other. Um, this is obsession could not and did not stop. Richard Ramirez thought that he was um, doing the devil's work. To him, he worshipped Satan as if Satan was a god. This is probably why his murder rate escalated. The devil himself stands as a wild force, a fighting spirit, self-willed, a brute, and a sadist. He is all things that are not really commonly accepted by the majority of society. Ramirez was a wild force. Even throughout his childhood and growing up, Ramirez was never deemed as the normal type. So in my understanding, it made sense that he would turn to a spirit that was vengeful. The misunderstanding of self and the intolerance for what is good and acceptable is the connecting point for Ramirez in Satanism. He made his victims swear to Satan that um, they, his victims, were not withholding anything of value that he could possibly take. He absolutely was spiraling out of control. Maybe to him, this is his version of the gruesome exploits his cousin Miguel was bragging about from his time during the Vietnam War. Their bond about the gory war stories is what was fascinating to Richard. The husband of Richard's sister was a peeping Tom at night time and would take Richard along with him on his nocturnal exploits. And then after Miguel, aka Mike, killed his wife, everything turned for Richard, and as Mike pleaded insanity, his reign over Richard forever continued. And his sexual fantasies and wants for violence began in the mind of a then high schooler, Richard Ramirez. The influence of family is probably the strongest, especially over young and impressionable kids. I believe that it, it always starts with family. One thing I've always wondered is, how do you prevent this from happening? What can parents, siblings, peers, and yourself do to prevent such an apathetic thing from happening? And I think that the answer to this is nothing. I do not think that you can really do anything to prevent that from happening. The only thing that you could possibly do is to rehabilitate them and incarcerate them. Of course, you could use religion as a healing force for any demented thoughts, but religion, depending on the person's understanding, could easily be flipped and used to justify murder of an innocent being. I think that the best thing would be for people to have understanding. Like for example, many serial killers, their parents or family members were uber religious and did not accept their child or 
they were just dismissive of their child in some way that made the child uncomfortable. But it is not just the familiar background that has an effect. It is said that there is a serocular gene. It is called the uh, monoamine oxidase A, aka MAO-A. Now, this is an enzyme that is that if mutated, that mutation of the gene could result in a variety of psychiatric disorders like antisocial behavior. Antisocial behavior and loneliness are what is observed and examined. There could be a link between loneliness and violent antisocial behaviors, which is actually what is seen in Jeffrey Dahmer. He was sort of a loner and did not have such an easy time making friends. The antisocial homicidal behavior of Dahmer was brought upon him by his brooding despondency. Maybe the stirring of a serial killer or a menace to society is something that cannot just be prevented. I think that it is just that it just takes the building of rage and a reason, even if that reason is not sensible. But another thing that goes with this is personality and genetic predispositions. Some people are just not in the becoming to be uh, America's next top serial killer. But could it be of some possibility that if someone who is just not wired that way could become a serial killer because of certain interests, like Richard Ramirez and his like of brutal fantasies, brutal sexual fantasies and Satanism and exploitation, is it possible for someone from a seemingly perfect or normal household to become a serial killer or a menace to society solely because they developed a new interest somewhere down the line in their lifetime? Like they developed a, a like to understanding the composition of Satanism, even if it started out as just a fascination because of how unearthly the topic had appeared to be. I think that someone from a normal life who had developed an interest in learning more about the how and why of an outlandish topic like Satanism, that they could be so invested and get sucked into that dark world that possibly they could become below the belt citizens who want to wreak havoc. But is there a possibility of the complete opposite happening where they don't allow themselves to be sucked in why do we become so fascinated with the dark mysteries of humanity? That is something that the world may never know and something that I really want to know. I mean, I, I certainly do not know why I am so fascinated with serial killers. Uh, it all started with Criminal Minds and that show really just, it really piqued my interest. So, I mean, it could be um, genes, it could just be a genetic predisposition, it could just be um, something that uh, was developed from a, a, an interest that is not really an acceptable one by many. But if I could take a guess, a guess, it is probably because of how extensive the subject is, that is why I'm so fascinated with it. And, and that could be how many serial killers turned out. Like with Jeffrey Dahmer, he started out with animals and he was so fascinated with um, uh, 
with, I think he was like with dissecting things and putting together things like a puzzle that he took it to the next level. Um, and I think that's why he killed because he could put animal bones together and they feel like a puzzle so he can do the same thing with humans. And you know, his father was also um, a scientist of some sort, I believe. And so it just, it just, uh, he took it one way and it turned it around. Same thing with Richard. It's like a religion. He believed one thing um, and he turned it around. Son of Sam, I believe is the same way. It's all religious based and they just sort of exploit a religious background to make it more suitable for them. Uh, if you if you dive into um, one part of anything dealing with serial killers or psychology, you unlock more doors and you get more fascinated, you become more fascinated because it within itself is a puzzle. It is like an escape room, you know, who can figure out the riddle, the missing link. And that is what is so fascinating about this. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and end this podcast. And to end this podcast, I will state this quote by unknown. Knowing a disappointing truth is better than wondering forever. Uh, gracias por escuchar. Adios.